0: Well, welcome to Life Point today. Thanks for being here. If you're watching online, thanks for tuning in and having a look at what's going on at Life Point Church. Well, if you're here for the first time, we really appreciate you coming, sharing part of your morning with us. My name is Donnie Williams. I'm the lead pastor here, and we would love to meet you after the service. Just come down front, say hello, and let us know a little bit about what brought you here to Life Point today. We're in the second week of a series called Take a Step, and we're talking about taking a step in our generosity. So everybody here for the first time is like, man, I knew we should have waited until next week to come to church. So last week we started out, and if you missed last week, please take some time to go online, watch that message or listen to it, and just get caught up. Because we talked about steps to generosity, but we also said this week we're going to talk about some obstacles to being generous. You know, we all deal with obstacles in life at some time or another. My background growing up, I had to deal with some obstacles. I had to think, okay, this is not where I want to be. I want to be there. And there were some obstacles that I had to remove in the middle in order to get where I believed I was supposed to be in life. And an obstacle is just that. It's something between where you are and where you want to be. Now, I know that with the holidays coming up, you have some obstacles in the form of high calories, high fat intake. Right, you, you, you don't want a big waistline, but you're going to have some obstacles to that. They're going to be laid before you over the next couple of months. They're going to be in the fridge. It's in the freezer, stuff you're going to eat, stuff you're going to enjoy. And so we're all going to, in one way or another, deal with obstacles. Maybe you've had to play a little bit harder to make the team or study a little bit harder to make the grades and to overcome the obstacles that may exist in your life. So today I want to talk about, well, how do we overcome the obstacles for being generous, moving into the life of generosity that God has for all of us? And so what we're asking everybody to do during this series is to take this card. It's in every program this week. We're asking you to fill it out, not with an amount. This series is not about you committing to an amount you're going to give to the church. It's not about anybody sending you an email saying, hey, you said this much and I count this much. What's the deal? That's not going to happen. I would just like to know, and the leaders would like to know, who's willing to take a step in their generosity from where they are to the next level. We're not asking you to make a quick emotional decision. That's why we said last week, take this card. Today, take this card. But next week on the 23rd, we want everybody to bring this back, having checked the level that they're willing to commit to. And that's what we ask you to do. And so last week I talked about these levels and how we're all at different places and we just need to take a step. And just as a quick review, the first level was some of you need to give for the first time. You need to just make a decision, hey, I, I'm going to give for the first time. And we determined that uh, we, our church pretty much matches the national stats that 50% of churchgoers give zero. And so 54% of the people who call LifePoint Church their church home have never done this. They've never given. They've never taken a step. And it's important that you do that and say, I want to take a step. Because when you take a step and you start to give of your financial resources, you start to get ownership. It starts to mean a little more to you. It means, hey, I'm buying into this vision. The amount, I don't know. We're not concerned about amounts. It's just, hey, for the first time, I'm going to give. And so it would be great if 54% of you made that decision that I'm going to give for the first time. Now, some of you have already done that. Some of you have been first-time givers. And so what we're asking you to do is take a step and become a consistent giver. And a consistent giver is simply this. Somebody who says, I will give on a consistent basis to my local church. Maybe you'll do it through getting signed up to give online or through the giving app that we have. Maybe you'll just drop good old-fashioned cash in the offering basket when it goes around. But you will start to do that in a consistent way way on a regular basis. And if you're doing that already, great. What we're asking you to do is to take a step and we're saying, hey, we would like for you to become an intentional giver. And what an intentional giver is, is a person that says, I will plan my giving. An intentional giver starts to think about their giving as it relates to other things in their life. For instance, why do I spend the same amount on cable as I give to the church? Somebody might ask themselves. And they see kind of an imbalance in that and think, well, I need to be more intentional And give to God as it relates to everything else in my budget. And starting to think about and be intentional about generosity. If you're not there, we're just asking, hey, take a step, one step, and be there. And then if you've been intentional and you think, I am intentional, I do think about my giving and how it relates. We're asking you to take a step into another level of giving, which is tithing. Giving 10% of your income right off the top back to God. And doing that faithfully. Now, there's not a command in the New Testament. Jesus never said, thou shalt tithe or go to hell. He didn't say that. It's not in there. But he did talk about being generous. He did Actually, he talked about giving all. So you might want to stick with tithing before we really get into technically what Jesus said. But he assumed through his teachings that people would tithe. Tithing just says, I'm going to take the first 10% of my income and I'm going to give that to God. That's what tithing is. Many people do that. Again, tithing is not this, like God's not going to hate you if you don't do it. He's not going to send you to hell if you don't do it. But it's a safe way. It's a way to safeguard ourselves from greed. It's a way to safeguard ourselves from materialism. It's a way to enjoy all that we have. Because people I know who do this and say, hey, I, I, I tithe, and they give that first 10% to God, they seem to have more enjoyment out of the rest of that 90% than people who don't and just kind of hoard it all up for themselves. And so for many of us, we need to take the step and say, I'm going to become a percentage giver. I'm going to become a tither. That might be your step as we encourage everybody to take a step. Now, some of you may say, well, I've been tithing. I've done that for years. And there are actually people who tithe that don't miss it. I mean, I when I, when I see the 10%, I'm like, ooh, that's a lot. And I could do all this other stuff. I mean, I, I feel it. You may be able to give 10% and never feel it. Never, under, ne- never even feel like it's a sacrifice. And people have actually told me that. And so if this is you, and, and you've just been tithing year after year after year, and it's just kind of a routine of what you do, we want to encourage you to become a radical giver. To be radically generous says, I will give beyond 10% of my income. I will go up a percent. I will go up 5%. I will go to a level that generosity is no longer about what I'm giving. It's about what I'm able to do with it, what I'm able to accomplish. People who are radically generous, they don't see generosity as giving anything up. They see generosity as getting to make a difference with all that God has blessed them with. And so that's what we're asking people to do is somewhere on these steps, find yourself and just take a step, one step up. That's all we want you to do throughout this series. not a one-time thing, but something that begins to be a lifestyle, begins to be habits. Now, for some of you, when I go go up these levels, you think, I would love to be on there. I would love to step up to first-time giver. I would love to be able to tithe, but I can't. There's things going on in my life that prevent it from happening. And for you, it's not a matter of convincing you that giving is the pathway to financial freedom. You already know that. But maybe through something that's happened in your life, something a family breaking apart, loss of a job, health issues, whatever, have caused you to be in a place where you can't even if you wanted to. And the last thing this series is about is to take somebody like that and make them feel guilty and make them feel like, well, I can't because he left. I can't because I'm unemployed. I can't because of all the health stuff's going on. The last thing I want to do is to make you feel like, great, I feel even worse now. That's a small, small percentage, though, of everybody. The rest of us can take a step in our generosity. And so we're going to look at what the Bible has to say about what does it mean when we have obstacles and we won't get on this ladder or this steps and we won't go on this journey, we won't go up a step. What does Jesus have to say about that? There's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. If you don't have one, just put your hand up. The ushers will give you one of those. You can keep it, you can borrow it, or you can just read along on the screen as I read a story from God's Word. I'm going to read from the New Testament book of Luke, and that's an that's a book in the New Testament where we learn about a lot of the happenings of Jesus. A guy named Luke wrote all this down so we would have it for generations. And when we read the book of Luke, we see Jesus speaking to hundreds and probably thousands of people coming to hear and teach. And as Jesus taught, he did a lot of Q&A. There's a lot of scripture revolving around where somebody said, whoa, Jesus, I got a question. I mean, probably while Jesus was talking, people would just, whoa, whoa, hey, hang on a second. That would freak me out if y'all did that. I mean, we'd be here a long time. You know, people, if it's just, hey, you got a question, stop me and I'll answer it. Not only would I get real sweaty, you know, (laughs) and start to worry, like, what are they going to ask? We would be here all day. But Jesus just went and he taught and people just asked questions. And so one day we're going to pick up this episode where Jesus was talking about eternity in the book of Luke chapter 12. He was talking about eternity and he he was telling them, look, if you confess me, then when I'm before my father in heaven, I'm gonna confess you. So what Jesus is saying is, if you wanna to go to heaven, you gotta to talk to me. And so he's talking about these deep eternal truths. And you can just imagine people sitting on the end of their seat, just thinking, wow, he's promising me eternity this rabbi is speaking in a way I've never heard one speak before. And he's talking about these eternal truths, something way beyond this life that lasts way longer than this life. And this guy raises his hand and says, Jesus, I got a question. More than that, I, I, I need you to do something for me, Jesus. And so the room probably got silent. This guy says, Jesus, my brother won't divide our inheritance with me. Could you tell him to give me my part of the money? Now, I don't think, you know, we didn't, I don't have Jesus' facial expressions recorded, but it was probably something like, I'm just talking about eternity? And you're asking me to make sure your brother splits up the family inheritance in a fair way? What, what what, are you thinking? Like, I gotta start over? Yeah, I mean, I'm speaking to a much lower IQ than I thought I was speaking to. I'm not talking about that. I'm trying to get you guys to think about eternity, and you're asking about money? You're wanting me to force your brother to give you your share? And so the next words out of Jesus' mouth, Luke chapter 12, verse 15, was this. Watch out. I mean, I would have been ducking, you know, when Jesus, like, watch out. Uh oh, he's upset. Something's gonna happen. What he's saying is, beware, be careful. I'm trying to get you to think about eternal things. You're just thinking about earthly things. Watch out. So be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. So Jesus, like the teacher in front of the classroom, I could just see him raising his fingers saying, watch out, you're focusing on the wrong things. And so every time when we're thinking about what what are we gonna teach What's going to help our church go to a new level? What's going to help people grow in their faith? When we write the idea of money up on the board and I know who's going to teach most of those lessons, I'm like, oh gosh, because there's a part of me that's like, I would much rather always teach things that make you at the end of the service go, oh my gosh, that made me feel so good. I really like that. I'm going to go give him a hug. I'm going to pat him on the back. I'm going to find his wife in the lobby and tell her what an awesome man he is because that really helped me. That's the kind of stuff I like to teach. When I talk about money and greed, uh, it doesn't happen a lot. a lot. Not a lot of eye contact after service. <laughs> but it's okay. I, I, I still have to do it. I still don't have a choice. No matter how uncomfortable it makes me, I still have to talk about it. And I try to avoid, do, th- every time Jesus talked about it, it seems like he's like, what's your problem? What's the deal? It's money. It's temporary. And you're spending all your time focused about it. And so I'm trying to think, how could we give a message on money? And people didn't really realize it was about money. And they really loved it and got excited about it and said, honey, I can't wait till the next week when he tells us we don't give enough money. (laughs) How can I do that? So I just gave up. I'm just going to go with what Jesus said and talk about what Jesus talked about when it comes to money. Because if you get in on generosity, it will change the focus of your life. But many people aren't generous and they see obstacles to any step they're going to take. And they say, if I had more, oh yeah. If I had more more money, I would, I would, I would, man, I would tithe. If I had more money, I would stand up here. And if I had more money than that, I would stand on the top and say, I am a radically generous person because I have more money. But in survey after survey, when you find, when you ask people and they're honest, how much money do you you need to have enough? It's always double. So if you talk to somebody that's making 35 grand a year, how much money would it take for you to have enough? Oh, 70 grand. And I'll be good. I'll be set. So you can make 70 grand. How much would it take? Yeah, 140, 150. Then I would have enough. At every level, people say, oh, if I had this much more. So it's always, if I had more, I would be more generous. And so Jesus tells him a story to get him to think. After he says, watch out, you think life consists in the abundance of possessions. I'm trying to tell you about life, the real life that you can live. And so he tells him this story. And he told him this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. I will say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Now, some of you may have said, oh, Jesus is talking about a rich guy. I'm out. I don't know how I can read my email now. I don't have to listen because I'm not rich. So you think I'm not rich, must not apply to me. If you make more than $27,000 a year, you're in the top 4% of the world's wage earners. So if you're just starting out and your parents are like, honey, how much money are you making? I'm in the top 4%. I know that they're paying me in the top 4% of the world's wage earners mom can you believe that top 4% if you'd make 27,000 or up I bet every person in this room over the last few days as it's gotten colder you have this little thing on your wall somewhere in your house and you push it to a comfortable level because if it's cold in the house hey go kick it up a couple degrees let's get warm and we can do that you can do that you're rich I have this room at my house it's about 20 feet by 20 feet. And I park my cars in it. I have a room for my cars. Anybody else got a room for your cars that, that you can actually pull your cars in? Most of us probably do. The rest of the world, they don't have rooms for their cars. We are rich. No question about it. I've got this little closet in my hallway. that has got a little small door on it. Open it up. It's got food in there. It's our pantry. I can get food out of there. I go home today and eat. I don't have to wonder. A week from now, there's going to be food in there. I can go home and eat it. You probably have the same thing. If you do, you're in the very top percentage of the world. So are we rich? Say it together. Yes, we are all rich. So it's not about not having the money to take a step in my generosity. It's about what obstacles are there. You know, in the upcoming Christmas season, just in the U.S., we're going to spend $650 billion on Christmas gifts for people that don't even need them. That's $800 per person in our country. Do the math. That's a lot of money just to celebrate a holiday. Over, over the Halloween season, uh, holiday, we spent $350 million on pet costumes in the U.S. Now, it does make some really funny uh, Facebook videos, I have to admit. I've watched a couple. But $350 million, are we rich? Yes, we are rich. So Jesus says, hey, you rich people, watch out. Because when it comes to money, our loyalties will shift. Because before we know it, it creeps up on us, and then we can't find contentment and no matter what we do, we can't find it. And so we buy, thinking this is it. And we buy again, thinking this is it. And earn and finance and store away. And we think at some point, I'll swipe the card and it's gonna fill up something inside of here and everything's gonna be okay. At some point, I'm gonna sign on the dotted line and now life's gonna go better. And I'm gonna be happier. And you might, for a little while, it might make you feel, feel good, but that day never really comes. And then we say, hey, I'm in the middle of buying and storing and charging and financing and doing all this stuff, so I I can't take a step. I don't have anything. That's just not the reality. The reality is we have, we just need, need to reprioritize what we have and see the benefits of being generous. The reality is, the reality is that generosity is the best investment you can make. This farmer that Jesus is talking about, he wasn't willing to diversify his wealth very much. He was storing it up for who? Himself. And left nothing for God. Left nothing for generosity. So there was a couple things he didn't understand. The first one was, everything he had was God's. Who caused the crops to grow? God. Who provided the bumper crop? God did. Who gave him the strength to make all of that? God did everything was God's. But if you read the story, it's all about my money, my wealth, my barns, my life, my satisfaction, every bit of it. And it wasn't about, look what God has done for me. In Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse 18, God is talking to his nation of people, the Israelite nation, right when they're getting ready to enter into the promised land, they'd wandered around for generations. And now they're getting ready to go to this land that the Bible says was flowing with milk and honey, which means everything is going to go well there. That the stock market is always going to be up. Real estate's always going to be at its high. You're always going to be able to buy low and sell high. It's just going to work all the time. It's going to be great. But then God gives them a warning before they go. Because he said, you're going to be tempted to say, look what I've done. Look at what I've built. Look at what my hands have produced. And so he says this, In verse 18 of Deuteronomy 8. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so the first obstacle this guy had was that he forgot this is not all his. God gave him the ability to produce that. So his obstacle of acquiring and getting and storing and consuming got in the way of his generosity how do you fix that? You fix it by giving, by being generous. Giving helps me overcome the obstacle of getting. And getting can look like a lot of different things in our life. Getting can look like debt because we want, we want, we want. And what debt says is, hey, even though I don't have the money, I'm going to get it anyway. It's perfect. It's a great plan. I'm going to get it even though I don't even have the money. The average credit card debt household in the U.S. is $15,500. That's a lot of money. Average mortgage debt is $153,000. The average student loan debt is $32,000. So is debt an obstacle? You bet it is for some people because it's just, I'm going to get, get, get. And if I don't have the money to get, I'm going to charge, charge, charge. I'm going to finance, finance, finance because I want to get my stuff. I want to have my stuff. And so if I got to go in debt to get my stuff, I'm going to do it. Now, there are some people, maybe even in this room, you're in debt and it's because something happened to you. A family breaks apart. You, you got health issues and you wind up in debt over that. That's not the kind of debt that I'm talking about. I'm talking about the kind of debt that says, I want more stuff. I'm going to get it one way or the other. And so I'm willing to charge $15,000 on credit cards in order to get it. So debt is one obstacle. Fear. This guy would have dealt with fear for sure. Hey, I'm afraid of not having enough. And so I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna keep it all up here for myself just in case things don't go well. Just in case God doesn't take care of me, I wanna have more of it for me. And so I'm gonna take care of me first. And then if I do that, then I'll, I'll be generous. No problem, I got, I got it. I'll be generous once I feel like I'm taken care of in an abundant way. Then I'll be generous. Or maybe disordered priorities. Hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be generous, but and I'll get on this, I'll get on this journey, but I'm going to take care of all my stuff first, and then whatever's left, I, I'll take a step. That's what keeps people right here, is by saying, I'm just going to wait. I'm just going to wait till I got, I got all my stuff taken care of, and then I'm going to take care of my generosity after I take care of myself. And what happens is, You might do it, you'll do it begrudgingly, you'll do it out of what's left and you won't have the joy that God wants you to have from being generous. Another obstacle is greed. Greed's tough because there's not many people who go and look in the mirror and say, whoo, I'm greedy. I am a really greedy person. It's easy to see in other people. I could tell you some greedy people right now. I could just name them off. But is it easy to go home and look in the mirror and say, you know what, I'm the one that's greedy. I'm the one that's only concerned about myself. The way I prioritize my money can create obstacles for me being generous. And so what some people will do when I say all that, you're like, well, I know, so I'm going to be better. I'm not going to have as much debt. And I'm not going to be overly worried about myself. And I'm going to be more generous. I'm going to do it first. Some of you can fix that self-correct And you'll walk out of here feeling like, okay, I got a handle on this. Others of you have such bad habits financially. And when it comes to debt, when it comes to fear, when it comes to greed, that you need a little help. And we got a class coming up starting on December 3rd called Managing Money God's Way. There's instructions in the program how to sign up for that. Let's fill that class up with people that say, I want to get on the right track to managing my money the way God would have me do it. See, because earning a lot of money is not the problem. The issue is not, well, I just want to earn lots of money. There's nothing wrong with wanting to do that. There's nothing wrong with doing that. Jesus never said, don't be rich. He never said, don't earn a lot of money. In fact, we need people to earn lots of money because they help the rest of us out quite a bit. So we need that to happen. And Jesus had no problem with that. But what Jesus is talking about is, where do you place this in your life? Where is it as it relates to other things? Because if you peel back all the stuff that this guy had, all the stuff he was storing in his barns, it comes down to him not being generous with what God had blessed him with. It wasn't about amounts. It was about his heart. And Jesus never knocks money in this story. He's saying, be careful because your money will lead you to a place of greed. This all started with Jesus trying to talk about some spiritual things, and this guy brings up money. Hey, Jesus, help me out with this money issue. Another thing this farmer didn't understand is that life is temporary because he dies in the story. He's got his stuff. He gets more stuff. He spends his life figuring out how to store more of his stuff so he thinks he can enjoy more of his stuff. And then Jesus said, you fool, you're going to die tonight. And then what happens? Last week, I was listening, thinking about this message, listening to Dave Ramsey, financial guy, if you've ever heard of him. He gives a lot of great advice. And, and so I, I was just listening to him. He's talking about uh, a will. And so I got on this website where it said, you can download a will. And I was looking at it. And, and the, wills talk, the will talks about, like any will, you know, where are you gonna leave your stuff? The stuff I accumulate while I'm living, where's it gonna go when I go? And so there's, there's blanks in there where you can write in, Who you want to have what or what foundation or what organization or church or whatever you want to leave your stuff to. There was not a blank in there that said, what would you like to take with you? It's not in there. If you've ever filled out a will, that's not a question that's relevant. They don't ask us. The death rate is one per person. So everybody is going to die. This guy forgot that. He was so comfortable in this life. He totally forgot, hey, my life is going to end. How would his life have ended differently? This rich guy, if he would have enjoyed what he had, saved some of what he had, but practiced generosity. See, true riches, it's not having everything I want. True riches is being content with what I have and taking advantage of opportunities to help others and to buy into a bigger vision than my life with the resources that God has blessed me with. So this is really about being content with what you have. That would remove a lot of obstacles. If people just said, from this day forward, I will be content with what I have, then you wouldn't think of all the obstacles that keep you from taking a journey of generosity. That's why Jesus says, watch out. Giving helps me overcome the obstacle of getting. So if you want to get in on this journey and you're thinking, okay, I want to take some steps. Here's what you can do. Quick way to start. Start your journey of generosity. One, take the class. Take the managing money God's way. When it comes to this holiday season and you're, you're tempted to start swiping that credit card, don't do it. Stop buying things on credit. Cut them up. Just cut them up and say, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm finished. I'm not carrying a credit card balance. I'm done with it. It's not going to happen. If you can't get in on this class we got coming up, we've got financial peace coming up in the spring, you can get in on that but I would challenge you, just take the class if you, if you feel like that, that will help you and if you can fit it in and then stop buying things on credit. That's another thing. Stop being afraid and just give. Just start being generous and then shift your priorities. Shift it to where you're not saying I never have enough left over to give. Shift it to saying, okay, I'm gonna give first. And the way I'm gonna do that, I'm gonna start tracking my spending. There's a lot of apps to do that. You can do that with literal envelopes. How about spending less this Christmas? Because mostly what we spend at Christmas is to buy gifts for people that should already love us and should already know that we love them. But we buy them lots of gifts just to say, in case you were doubting, I just want to buy you lots of stuff that you might take back and you don't really need, but I'm gonna buy it anyway. Because you know it's a good deal. And 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 I want you to know how much I love you. Well, of course, buy people gifts, but do what my family's gonna do this Christmas set a limit. Hey, this is it. This envelope, what's in here? This is Christmas. If it can't come out of here, it's not going to be bought, period. That's a great first step to take. And don't wait for obstacles to be removed. Start right where you are. Because giving will help me overcome the obstacle of getting. Why is this important? It's important because a generous life is a better life. You will enjoy whatever money you have left after you are generous more than if you kept the whole bunch of it for yourself. I've seen it over and over again. People who say, this is the amount I'm giving away have so much more joy in what they have, have so much more security in what they have rather than saying, no, I'm not giving that up. I might need that. That's mine. I'm not doing it. You're missing out if you're not generous. That's why we're going through This series, it's a fast track to spiritual growth. So then we just have a decision to make am I going to be generous towards God or not? And so as you're praying over this card this week and you bring it back next week, just say, Am I willing to be generous and take a step in my generosity? Let's pray. God, thank you for this convicting story that Jesus told. May we focus on things that are eternal. May we invest in things that are eternal. And may we remove the obstacle of trying to get stuff so we can be freed up to be more generous. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.